To Kill a Mockingbird, chapters 6 to 11. I've got quite a bit of text to get through here, so I'm just going to pick out what I feel are the main points to draw from the second section of part one of the book. There are several threads of the story that by this point are beginning to develop. Firstly, Jem and Scout continue their obsession with Boo Radley um, and Boo's character and situation becomes a bit more developed. And secondly, some other characters, um, particularly female characters, become more prominent in the narrative. So first to talk about Boo Radley. Um, Jem and Scout, having been told plainly by their father to stop tormenting that man, um, Boo Radley still maintains a fascination for them. And when Jem comes um, over again, um, they sort of uh, try to get him to come outside. Um, And the long and the short of it is Jem, in his hurry to get away, uh, gets shot at and his trousers get caught on the fence. Um, But when Jem goes to retrieve his trousers, he finds that somebody has mended them and left them for him to pick up. Uh, And of course, by this point, Jem realises that Boo, Arthur Radley, has done that for him. At the same time, they've been um, receiving gifts from Boo via this hole in the tree, which um, his brother fills with cement. And again, at that point, Jem realises, Scout doesn't, that uh, Arthur's brother has intervened to stop his contact with the outside world. And Jem realises something of the injustice of this. So at this point, um, Jem is at a place where he understands more about Boo's situation than Scout does. And Jem is beginning to develop that empathy, whereas Scout um, doesn't quite yet have the understanding to do so. What becomes more important for Scout in this section is the emergence of the female characters who are a large influence on her life. And given that she, um, her mother's dead, um, these female characters are going to become very important. The first character um, is Miss Maudie, and we've already seen um, in earlier chapters a little bit about the relationship between her and Scout, very honest relationship. She lets Scout sit by her on the porch in the evenings, um, and a really beautiful friendship. Um, but what we see um, in the house fire is a real resilience in Miss Maudie um, that is really um, admirable. And German Scout can't quite believe that even though you know she's lost everything she is not um complaining and she's actually just cheerily uh carrying on so um jem says we're awful sorry to her and she says uh always wanted a smaller house jem finch gives me more yard just think i'll have more room for my azaleas now Now, what I think is really interesting here is Miss Maudie and her lack of materialism really contrasts with um, Aunt Alexandra, another character who emerges as a really strong influence on Scout in this section. Aunt Alexandra is typical of 1930s American society. She is, uh, she enjoys a high status in her community. Um, she wants to uphold the reputation of the Finches. Um, and she's obsessed with dressing properly, looking, um, looking proper and making sure that you do everything to tick all the boxes of what society expects of you. So it's really interesting that amidst this quite materialistic culture where people are judging each other on how much stuff they've got, um, on how big their houses are, um, Miss Maudie just doesn't seem to care about those things and she sees through them as being pretty trivial. 
Now, Aunt Alexandra begins to emerge as a formidable character and as a, as a person who um, is trying to influence Scout and Atticus and the way he brings his children up as well. And what emerges uh, in the second part of part one is the rising conflict of the fact that Atticus is going to be defending Tom Robinson, the black defendant in the case uh, of the rape against um, the Earl's daughter. So in chapter nine, the conflict begins. Um, the chapter begins with Scout um, fighting with Cecil Jacobs um, because he announced in the schoolyard that Scout Finch's daddy defended niggers. At this point, Scout doesn't even really understand about the trial and what's going on anyway. Um, but they, there's this, this start of a fight and um, Atticus is keen to teach Scout that even though the town is going to react badly, they still must treat everyone with respect and not um, retaliate. So Atticus talks to Scout after this um, uh, conflict that's occurred um, and says, every lawyer gets at least one case in his lifetime that affects him personally. This one's mine, I guess. You might hear some ugly talk about it at school, but do one thing for me, if you will. Just hold your head high and keep those fists down. Now, Atticus has got this um, message that he really wants Scout and Jem to learn of not retaliating with violence. Um, it's a kind of um, peaceable um, method against the aggression that they see around them. Um, and Atticus also teaches them that even if they lose the case, which he, he knows they will, it's still worth fighting. And he says, simply because we were licked a hundred years before we started is no reason for us not to try to win. So this, this principle here of they are embarking on a battle um, and what Atticus hopes is not necessarily he's going to win, he doesn't think that's likely, but he hopes to push back um, the boundaries on the inherent racism and segregation in his society. He says to Scout, this time we aren't fighting the Yankees, we're fighting our friends. But remember this, no matter how bitter things get, they're still our friends and this is still our home. And so um, even when Alexandra doesn't really understand why he's taking this case and the opposition comes to Atticus from his sister um, herself. Um, and we have the incident um, at the end of the chapter with uh, Scout's conflict with Frances, um, her cousin, um, who is basically repeating things that he's heard Alexandra, perhaps others, say about Atticus defending niggers. Um, and obviously the use of this word is, is really offensive um, to us nowadays. In those days was a fairly standard way that white people would refer to black people. Um, it, it, Francis says to, to Scout, Grandma says it's bad enough he lets you all run wild. Now he's turned out a nigger lover will never be able to walk the streets of Maycomb again. He's ruining the family. That's what he's doing. So we can see with these attitudes from um, the family that they are really against progress. They have these ingrained senses of racism and segregation um, and Atticus and Scout and Jem are going to have to stand against their own family um, and their own legacy, 
given that, you know, Finch's landing was obviously established with slavery back in the day, um, they're going to have to stand against that legacy um, in the trial and defending Tom Robinson. So Scout has these conflicts with um, Aunt Alexandra um, because she was defending her own father against Francis, but she's not really willing to admit that. What's interesting is that Aunt Alexandra, because she actually in part two lives with them for a time while the trial is going on, I think Aunt Alexandra softens towards the case of Tom Robinson and starts to realise what her brother is trying to achieve. Um, but it is it is really important to see how Aunt Alexandra, for a lot of the novel, represents traditional 1930s society, which is at odds with the new modern values that Atticus holds of empathy. Now, there's not only conflict with Aunt Alexandra um, in chapter nine, which again gives Atticus a, a reason to teach Scout more about people's attitudes towards black people. Um, but there's also then a new conflict with Mrs. DuBose. Um, now, again, Mrs. DuBose is a white lady on this street, uh, a very formidable character and who has this um, conflict with Jem. But this character allows for Harper Lee to again uh, get across the main message of the novel. Firstly, that the, the white community's reaction to um, Tom Robinson trial is very illogical and prejudiced. But secondly, that um, there's this need for empathy even for those who think differently. So um, Atticus at the end of chapter nine um, says, why reasonable people go stark raving mad when anything involving a Negro comes up is something I don't pretend to understand. I just hope Jem and Scout come to me for their answers instead of listening to the town. And at this point, he's saying, speaking deliberately for Scout to overhear and he's contrasting, you know, his viewpoint with that Maycomb. And so what you've got in the novel is you've got Maycomb representing 1930s American society in the southern states. And you've got Atticus representing something different, uh, values of empathy and justice um, and very much standing almost alone uh, against this, this, this tidal wave of prejudice and trying to teach his children to stand too. Now, the, um, at this point, this is where the title of the novel, um, the significance of the title of the novel becomes more significant because in chapter 10, um, Atticus says to Jem, shoot all the blue jays you want if you can hit them, but remember it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. Um, and the reason that he gives is they don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. Um, well, that's actually Miss Mordy who says that. They don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. Miss Mordy tries to explain to them why uh, Atticus wouldn't want them to shoot a mockingbird. And this becomes a metaphor, really, for this idea of, of injustice and power. Because if you're armed with a gun and you shoot a defenceless bird who isn't a pest, doesn't destroy your crops, does nothing but sing. That is an image of, of people abusing their power. And of course, that mockingbird becomes a symbol for people like Tom Robinson 
an innocent man who's done nothing wrong to anybody but becomes the object of hatred the 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 victim to the prejudice and the desire for blood that the white community have perhaps off the back of the great depression the poverty that they are living through a desire for a scapegoat um, a desire to pin all of the problems of their society onto somebody else so the mockingbird image a metaphor comes to prominence at this point even though at the time we don't really know why it's significant. Now this incident with Mrs. DuBose um, is really interesting because it occurs right after um, Atticus has to shoot the dog <laughs> and again the dog becomes this kind of gothic bad omen, something bad is going to happen in this town. Um, Atticus shows he's perfectly able to take the dog down in one shot clean, one shot Finch is his old nickname, um, but he chooses not to use this power. Um, Scout says he realised that God had given him an unfair advantage over most living things. I guess he decided he wouldn't shoot till he had to. Um, and so this idea um, that, uh, you know, Atticus has this power and he doesn't use it again shows the message of the novel. Now, Mrs. DuBose is this really aggressive lady who takes umbrage with the fact that Atticus is defending Tom Robinson. And she aggressively heckles Jem and Scout uh, and talks about um, their father. She says um, that Jem will end up waiting on tables um, and talks about their father in the courthouse lawing for niggers. And at this point, Jem just completely um, is so wild by it that when they go back and she's not there, he takes Scout's baton and just uh, beheads all of the um, all of the flowers um, in her garden. But what's interesting is that even though what she said was was wrong and offensive, Atticus makes Jem go back and apologise, go back and read to this lady. Um, and he he can't understand why, you know, why Atticus would make him do this. But what's interesting is that as Atticus um, forces him to do it, Jem begins to learn an important lesson about empathy. Um, Atticus says, maybe you'll look back on this with some compassion and some feeling that I didn't let you down. Um, before I can live with other folks, I've got to live with myself. Atticus is trying to teach them that some things are going to be more important than the approval of others. And this case is one case in point, but that it doesn't give them permission to be aggressive um, and uh, confrontational with their neighbours. So um, Jem goes through this long phase of um, reading to Mrs. DuBose and finally um, Atticus explains that she was dying um, and that she was coming off morphine and she decided she wanted to be beholden to no one. Uh, he says, I wanted you to see what real courage is instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand. It's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and you see it through no matter what. So Atticus uses this incident with this lady, Mrs. DuBose, to illustrate a point to Jem, a point that actually relates to his own life, that even though she was going to be defeated, she was dying, she fought to the very end. And that, again, is a foreshadowing of what Atticus is going to do. He's going to fight to the end for Tom Robinson, even though he knows he can't win. So before part two begins, what we have in these chapters is a setup for the rest of the novel. Um, the, the, the segregation and the injustice of Maycomb is made clear in the comments that people make 
uh, to Scout and Jem about their father lawing for Tom Robinson on his behalf. The uh, sense of conflict between Scout, Jem and the other characters in Maycomb emerges, as does the support of key characters such as Calpurnia and Miss Mordy. So we're ready now for, in part two, Harper Lee to zoom in on the trial of Tom Robinson and bring all of, pay off all this setup and really show you the depths of the segregation and racism in American society in the southern states. <laughs> 